Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to the Watford Buzz podcast. Uh, apologies for the delay. It's been a little while, but there has been a big break in the middle of it. And uh, uh, we've been enjoying the World Cup as well. Uh, welcome back to Jordan and Tom. Uh, guys, what have you been up to in this in this sort of break, break that we've been enjoying? Enjoying not caring about Watford, I think. <laughs> well, not, <laughs> not being overly concerned with it. Not caring sounds a bit harsh, but yeah. It's been, it's been a nice emotional break, I think, hasn't it? Albeit we then wrapped ourselves up in caring about international football instead, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Jordan, yeah, agreed. Same. I think it's been a, a nice little break, and um, yeah, I'm pleased to be back to to normality somewhat. But yeah, it was uh, it was good to have that emotional rest, as you said, Tom. Did you both watch much of the World Cup? Not as much as I'd have liked. I started with great gusto, watching kind of a bit of every game every day. And very quickly lost that enthusiasm, um, not for any moral reasons or because the games weren't good or anything like that. I just think World Cup fatigue and real life took over. But um, I watched the semis, <laughs> which were very good. I missed yesterday's third place and I will watch the World Cup final later. But I must admit, I'm kind of glad to be getting back to actual club football. It's not felt right, it being at this time of year. No, it's peculiar, isn't it? Particularly with the snow outside yeah, as well. Exactly. It's been very weird. Um, however, though, uh, you know, England did reasonably well. I think we kind of expected them to be issues against France. People, Most people sort of planned that that might be a potential problem, and, and so it proved. But, uh, I mean, you know, they I suppose they did reasonably well to get to that point, right? Yeah, I think they achieved. They kind of achieved enough. And it was, you know, it's, it's unfortunate the way it ended, but... Um... I don't know, it's hard. I think expectations for a, for a tournament are always quite difficult to nail down. But I think all things considered is probably where most of the perhaps expected. Tom, the, uh, the announcement this morning uh, is that uh, Gareth Southgate's going to be staying on. There was a bit of a controversy, or, or, or maybe not controversy, but there was a, people deciding amongst themselves whether, whether he should stay or go. It seems like he's going to be here for another tournament. Do you think that's the right choice? Yeah, I do. And I was just actually tweeting about this before we started. Um, look, he's not perfect by any means. No manager is. He's got his limitations. I think we, you know, we'd all agree on that. But I think he ticks a lot of the boxes that you have to tick as an international manager. And he's done a lot of good work almost away from the pitch in terms of being a good ambassador and a good kind of representative. He's 
clearly cultivated an environment in which the players want to be part of it. They feel, you know, more freedom than probably they have previously to express themselves. There seems to be, and it could just be good PR, but there seems to be a genuine desire to play for England and pride at representing England. I don't think that's always been the case. Obviously, there have been questionable decisions. I think sometimes it's in games that he perhaps lets himself down. But he's always kind of, for me at least, put the team on the field that's prepared or kind of best suited to the game. I thought, although no one probably agreed with Henderson coming on, for example, very micro example, but coming on against the States, I actually thought he was the substitute in the end. He proved Southgate right. He vindicated that decision and played thereafter and was very good against Senegal. And no, he's not the sexy name like James Madison who scores you know, goals and makes goals, but he does a specific job and he does it very well. And I think Southgate appreciates that and doesn't kind of give in to the, the hounding from the public and the press to include these kind of you know nation's darling players uh Trent Alexander-Arnold being another one who's obviously a phenomenal footballer in his own right but is he right for the team at that moment sort of thing um so for all those reasons I'm I'm pretty happy I think were you supporting Canada during Jordan or did you just have like a a a desire for them to do well I mean still it's still England but um yeah I mean I, I did really want them to do well I think it was it was kind. Of, it had like a bit, you know, obviously a bit of buzz, buzz here and stuff, and people were excited for it. So it's hard not. To, and it's not like they're really kind of a direct opponent to England, at least. I mean, if it was England versus Canada, still, it's still England. But um... just one representation at the World Cup from a, a lot of points of view. Uh, of course, that was Ismaili Assar uh, playing for Senegal. Uh, Jordan, how did he do? Uh, I mean, he was pretty effective. I think he stepped up to the plate pretty well, considering obviously Mane was a big loss for them. So. Um, I think he raised his profile a bit. I think it was something that was a positive step in his career, and he he did well on the kind of big stage. And I think it was uh, impressive. Actually, he was, you know, playing in a role a little bit more similar to his club role now, in the sense that he was playing on the left more, and it, it was something that suited him. He he had a, a solid tournament, I'd say, all things considered. Tom, do you agree with that? Yeah, I do. I think I think he played well. I think he didn't do himself any harm in that respect. And the, obviously, the Mane news prior to the tournament was a real blow for Senegal. Um, but good news for, for Saar to be able to kind of put himself in the the shop window. And I, I was discussing this with friends the other day. It's, it feels more than ever like a World Cup where there will be signings made, and we'll talk about one, I'm sure, off the back of it, because it's so close to January, even though obviously a typical World Cup is in the summer when you can sign players already. But I think there's just that kind of bit of a lag in the summer sometimes, isn't there, before... Um, clubs kind of get back down to business but now with with January kind of you know two weeks away or whatever it is now good grief that's close um you know I think we're going to see moves off the back of it and more than ever and I know we'll get into the SAR topic in in detail in a bit more than ever I kind of feel like there's a real possibility he leaves next month now really yeah definitely interesting um he uh finished his world cup a good couple of weeks ago now um, when England uh, dispatched Senegal pretty comfortably actually, it was one of their better games um, and then he was allowed to recuperate for a few days and I believe the plan was for him to come back and be ready in, in, in time for Hull City but that didn't quite happen, Jordan. No, it didn't happen, um, yeah, it sounded like he just didn't, didn't show up and the 
the club were pretty unaware of it. So obviously, you know, Bilic had the comments in the press, and it was it was clear that he wasn't aware. But you know, the indication is that no one really was there granting him this extra time of absence, this extra leave. So yeah, I guess he just decided not to come back, which is you know, it's a disappointing decision. Obviously, he played in the weekend, but it's not what you want to see from from a player who honestly isn't he he's not a young player anymore he's a he's a, he's a professional he's been at the game for a long time now and he should he should know better i think i think it was a bad move from him do we know that it was definitely uh, his his decision because there is some school of thought that uh, Gino Pozzo made the decision that um, that Sar could uh, have a bit more time well, I mean, if that is the case, then it's poor from Gino. So it's it's poor either way, either from from Saar or or Gino. But I mean, and, and that's a sign to suggest clearly that Gino did do that. I mean, I would assume that it was. Well, I mean, maybe not. I don't know. It, it's hard to say. But my impression was that Saar didn't return on time. If if Gino was allowing him extra time, it'd be very strange to 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 not tell Bilic that. I'm not sure what the advantage would be. Um, but it, it's a weird situation, you know. Like the World Cup's done. I know it's a busy, a busy season with the amount of games he's had to play. A championship season is tough as is, let alone when you throw a World Cup in the middle of it. But you know that's that is his job, and he was expected back clearly, and he didn't return. So whatever the reason was, someone's I think made a mistake in that sense. So the first game back for Watford was the whole city fixture. Uh, it was also the first home game as well, after um, a bit of recovery uh, and recuperation from. The team they went out to do some um, warm training, didn't they, in Spain whilst they were whilst they were waiting for the for the World Cup to take place, and and I'm sure they enjoyed watching a bit of that whilst they were out there as well. But um, when they came back for the whole city fixture, they were of course missing Ismail Sar and um, they picked up a couple of extra injuries as well. Edu um, Kiembe was um, was not available either, I believe. It it was not the best start for the uh, for the whole city game. And, which ultimately ended up in a, a pretty disappointing nil-nil draw. Yeah, I mean, the, the trip to Spain didn't do much good in terms of the uh, the first fixture back, did it? I thought we were awful against Hull. Both teams were poor, uh, and it was a bad watch. And, you know, it's definitely a game we could have done with a little bit of a spark from from Saab. I'm not even sure if he would have been enough in that game. I think it was just a, a real... It was like a pre-season friendly, wasn't it? It was just not... The, the tempo wasn't there. The execution wasn't there. It was sloppy. It was... It was unentertaining. I think the, there's, a, there's a, a, a stark difference between or a contrast between watching the World Cup football then coming back and watching the uh, the first game back with Hull and Watford. I thought it was disappointing and something we could have done much better with. Uh, but yeah, the, the injuries, I think, are the main kind of takeaway from that game. Obviously, missing Kayembe, um, you know, think the, the, the opinions on Kayembe are quite mixed, but ultimately we're, we're short on bodies in that position. Um, but there's also the injury to Hamza Chowdhury as well, which is quite a considerable talking point on that one. Yeah, that's really the, the biggest thing that, that happened in that game, wasn't it, Tom? Yeah, I think so. Just typical of our luck at the moment, um, whether it's luck or something more sinister, I guess, is open for debate. But he's. I, I think there's been a weird kind of narrative around him on Twitter, at least, about whether he's actually been that good. I think he has been very good. Um and when he plays well, we play well. And he's the only midfielder in the squad for me who's like that um, or who does what he does. So he's a big, a big, big loss. And I don't know if there's been a proper kind of diagnosis of the issue or prognosis um, for how long he's going to be out. But that that is a really big blow for me. And I don't know if Ishmael Kone is going to come in and 
fill that void or, or what the plan is there, how similar he is. I can't say I've, I've watched any of him um, in MLS or at the World Cup, but that's a big, big concern for me because I don't think we've got anyone who breaks up the play as well as Hamza Chowdhury. What do you make of the whole situation with the, with the injury? Because for me, it seemed insane again to put him back on. Um, you, you would have seen that the, the medical staff have access to the the replays to see the exact mechanism of the injury. And I thought it was pretty clear from the beginning that there was a the angle, the impact of his knee, the way his knee jarred. It was likely to be like MCL ligament strain. There's some there's something in that mechanism which indicates it's going to be that sort of injury. Yet he was he was brought back on with strapping, which I can't I can't under I can't really oversell how you know, futile it is to strap a strap a knee in that situation, but he comes on with his knee bandaged up and he's back on the pitch and it was he's limping around. It's very reminiscent of the Tom Dele Bashiru incident from a couple of years ago. I'm just surprised that we we went down that route again. I know it's being talked about a little bit on Twitter already, but just an odd decision. It's um it's a strange one for me. What do you guys think about that? There's definitely a question mark, isn't there? And obviously this is not my forte, right? So I'm gonna be careful what I say. But there's definitely a question mark for me about the number of injuries we get and the kind of, if not repetitive nature, then the number of players who have an injury come back and then get injured again. Um, you know, just this season, we've obviously had Imran Loser, Raymond I now. Um, there were question marks over Dan Gosling at the time, weren't there, when he went off against Blackpool. There were the Question marks, similarly, as you kind of say about, as you've kind of detailed about Chowdhury, obviously Tom Deli Bashiru was injured a while ago, has come back and has got injured, he's back again. But, you know, I just, we have been, you can't be this unlucky for this long and across this many regimes is what I'd say, right? I don't know what the makeup of the kind of medical and sports science and so on is in terms of staffing, whether that's something that the kind of POTSOs control, I think it is. My understanding is that it is. And, you know, those kind of guys transcend different regimes is with so far as coaches are concerned. But I would be questioning that if I was, you know, and, and we know that Gino Pozzo is a kind of all-seeing, all-controlling owner. If I was kind of looking at these expensive assets out on the field and seeing a constant trend of injuries and it was something that Billich called out very early on in his reign wasn't it you know it needs to be investigated it's it's suspicious or it's whatever the word he was whatever the adjective he used was I'd be looking at it and thinking we need to get to the bottom of this badly because these guys are the difference you know and it, thankfully it hasn't been a Jal Pedro or a Saar or a Keenan Davis yet but these guys are the, you know, the the difference between promotion or not promotion, which, as we know, is the be all and end all. And if you can't get them on the field, availability is the best ability. I can't remember where I've nicked that cliche from, but it's a it's a useful one, um, and and pertinent in this situation. So, yeah, I would just be very uneasy about how often this seems to happen. To be honest with you, um, I'll say no more than that. I think it just um, it describes exactly how bigger problem we're in at the minute that they're having to strap him up and they're really considering him, him going back on the field because uh, clearly he was occupying a position that we're desperately in need of and um, I suppose it was their last their last 
throw of the dice, really, but it, it never should have happened, should it? I mean, obviously, I'm not a medical person, but it just doesn't, it didn't seem like the right decision to make at the time. Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's an odd one. I, I mean, I know we're short on players there, but I think just for the, the risk of the player, it's, it's, it's a strange one to do, and it's clear that he wasn't able to continue. He was on the pitch for a couple of minutes, but yeah, just an odd one. Honestly, that was my biggest takeaway from that from that game, but yeah. There was one big missed opportunity. I think it was... Was it Jao Pedro at the far post? Potentially it was Keenan Davis. I'm not sure. Yeah, I think so. It's, it's my my recollection of that game has faded quicker than than, than most, I think. But um, there was... Yeah, I do seem to remember there was one opportunity which was we didn't capitalise on. But it was, it was a game of poor quality. Never mind. We moved on. Um, and... Whilst we moved on, uh, Watford made uh, a few signings, probably addressing the fact that they knew we were very short in, in the middle of the park. Um, Ishmael Kone, who uh, we've already mentioned, but we'll, we'll talk about him more in a second. Uh, Leandro Pacuna and also uh, Mateus Martins. Yeah, I think they're positions that had to be resolved, at least. Obviously, Pacuna's very short-term, Kone's long-term, and you know, same goes for Martins too. But the um, yeah, I mean... We had to make moves, and obviously it's still very early on. There's much more we can do. It's not even in, we're not even in January yet, and we've we've done something which is good. Um, for me, Bakuna is a a very uninteresting short term signing. It's literally just filling a hole. I don't even expect him to have as much of an impact as say Carlos Sanchez did. I think it will be literally you know as long as we have to use him, we will. Um, but I don't think he's great to be honest with you I thought he did fine yesterday but I don't think overall he's someone we'll be looking at in, 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 under any normal circumstances um, Kone's a really interesting one I do I am quite happy to, to see him I guess I'll let you, let's, let's just talk about Bakuna first I mentioned him so what are you guys thoughts on that anything well I think it's a good uh, comparison you've made there between himself and Sanchez um, it just keep us keep us sticking over but I, I would say that Bakuna's probably in a a, a better player than, than Sanchez he's younger to start off with and he's been playing, um, you know, a decent level of football not too long ago. So I think he, certainly from his performance yesterday, which we'll talk about more when we're discussing the Huddersfield game, I thought he was um, you know, more than up to the uh, up to the challenge. Yeah, fair. It's, it's, what do you think on him, Tom? Were you impressed by, well, I guess you have to talk about the performance, but... <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think he sounds... You summed it up quite nicely when you said he's an uninteresting signing, and it's true, isn't it? It's just like it's a name we know. I think, right? As as kind of fans of English football, Premier League football, whatever it may be, you know, played for Villa for a few years, um, had a couple of years at Reading, a few years at Cardiff. You know, has been traded for a, a few million quid here and there, but you know, thirty one, let go by Cardiff. I think maybe more. You know, elected to leave rather than let go, but. Certainly didn't get kept on by a very poor Cardiff side at the end of last season, um, you know, and, and didn't wasn't even necessarily a regular there for them in his in his final year. Um, it's it's like filling a shirt in the meantime, isn't it? It's almost like in in American football, like calling someone up from the practice squad, elevating them from the practice squad for a couple of weeks because you've got a a gaping hole that you just have to fill, and and he's available and he plays that position, so he'll do. Um, I text my Reading supporting friend um, to see what his perspective on it was and I thought he was only being funny but it summed up kind of 
the the general feeling towards him was uh, his parking was always awful on match days. I remember seeing his car several times. So, you know, if that's the most interesting thing you can say about a footballer who represented your club for a couple of seasons quite regularly, then I think that's a fairly accurate summation. I presume, you know, we'll get a couple of these guys back eventually, won't we? And Kone, maybe we sign someone else in January who isn't a free agent. Um, and, and, you know, he gradually kind of fades. But it's would it be a Watford Championship season if we didn't sign an ageing kind of stopgap midfielder? There have been so many of them over the years, haven't there? Plenty of whom I suspect yeah, we've all forgotten. Feels. So... It's a rite of passage, I think. It is. It has to be done every season. The championships, are... exactly. Yeah, and and then what? What you guys think about Kone? How do you feel on that one? Obviously, complete other end of the spectrum. There, two, yeah, two opposites in terms of profile. What are we? What are we thinking? This one, I'm quite pleased. I'm quite pleased and impressed with actually, in a in a the sense that we've just gone out and got it done early, prior to the the window actually opening. You know, it's ready. It's very rare, isn't it? You know that we some clubs do it. Watford hasn't typically been one of them, certainly not under the Potsos, that we've got someone lined up and ready to go on January the 1st. You know, we do tend to leave our January business until a little bit later in the window, um, typically. In fact, the last time I can really remember it was under A.D. Boothroyd, I think, when we signed, oh, was it, on January the 1st. I remember going to Fulham on New Year's Day and it was announced that we'd signed someone can't remember even who it was. Asher Cody or something? Might have been Moses Asher Cody. Yeah, it might have been Moses Asher Cody. Um, yeah, so th- that worked out well. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, there's this expectation, right, we'll get to January and we'll sign players. And then it's kind of like January, you know, 15th onwards. And it's like, where are the players? So we're at least evidently addressing the issue. So I've got to give the club credit, kick them enough where it's due. I can't say I've seen in play from the kind of research I've done and what I've heard and what I've read and whatnot. Um it sounds like exactly the sort of player we should be signing from uh, all that kind of research. And, and more often, you know, someone that's young, hungry, up-and-comer, rather than the opposite end of the scale, as, as either yourself or Matt said, to Bakuna. Um, interesting insofar as he seems to have played quite a few positions for Montreal in MLS, but has, you know, got that kind of physicality that he's evidently going to need in the championship. Quite a kind of... So it seems like he's quite a sort of, um, you know, covers a lot of ground, a physically gifted, athletic, strong, etc. Um, midfielder, but, you know, can carry the ball a little bit as well by the sounds of it. Gets a goal now and again and an assist slightly less often than that. But all of this against the um, caveat, I suppose, that he only made his professional debut earlier this year, didn't he? Um, had had quite a bad injury prior to that, I gather. Um, but, you know, has really only been playing top flight football, as it were, since February of this year. Made his Canada debut this year. So, yeah, he's, he's an interesting one. And uh, I imagine because of the shortage of midfielders, he's going to be plunged in straight away. So, you know, it's it's a quite a step up, I imagine, to kind of go from barely playing football at all to being in the hustle and bustle of a championship midfield. By the way, we need to get out of this division. So, yeah, I'm, I'm very interested to see how he works out. What about you? Have you seen more of him being of a Canadian persuasion and, 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 and in the right part of the world to, to watch a bit of MLS? Yeah, well, he was one of the guys I, I did. Yeah, so I did some, some work in... MLS and, and Canadian Premier League and that he was a player that was kind of floating around um, 
at the time. Uh, he was he was someone that was quite promising, especially for the Canadian setup as well. I think that the eyes were kind of on him for the first team, uh, for the sorry for the national team. They wanted to get him involved as quickly as possible. And he was he was kind of unfortunate. He had some he had some trials in Belgium and so on, but he wasn't able to. I think he, I believe he had to come. He had to return to Canada at, at some point after he got COVID. It was kind of during the midst of COVID, and he just had bad timing basically, and ended up back in Canada and then at Montreal trying to get into the first team there and then progress, which he did obviously. And it's, it's it's been it's been good. I think he's he's a player that's exciting. He's he's still quite raw. Um, I, I wouldn't say he's going to come in and be perfect, but he's someone that does have some really good traits, especially for the type of player he is. He's a as he said, he's quite a rangy, athletic guy. Uh, tool, but he's a he's a ball carrier more than anything. He's someone that travels the ball, looks to get into the box, kind of that link. You know that, what we saw yesterday from Tom Bashiru That's the sort of thing you want to see from Kone. He's not the most productive yet, but that's something that can be refined. You're looking for those traits and the type of ball carrying, the control he has the ball, um, his comfort to receive the ball. That there's they're things that you look for in a player at that age, and you know they're they're the key skill sets you can develop further. And I think. I think we've done well to pick him up, and it's definitely a worthwhile gamble. So, bringing him in, you know, it's, it's somewhat of a big ask to say come in and, and, and be a starter. But yet, at the same time, I do think he's capable, provided we, we we give him the role to do so. He's not a defensive midfielder. He's not the come in and replace Chadwick. They're very different, um, but he, he's someone that can contribute under the right circumstances. So hopefully, uh, we we offer him those. But I think in terms of the signings we've made this this window so far. Um, both him and Martins kind of ticked that box in, in being a potential um, long-term investment, which is, which is really good to see. In terms of a direct comparison between Bakuna and Kone, how, how different are they uh, in terms of the midfielders and what they offer Watford going forward in this new-look midfield? Yeah, I mean, Bakuna's a... Bakuna's an odd one because he's technically sound. He, he's he's good. He's he can be harrying. He's got some quality, but he's just you just don't really know what you're going to get from him. Just not obviously not based on sort of one performance for us, but just over the years watching him, he can have moments of real quality, but then just you know, moments moments of chaos mixed in uh, as well. So I, I think Kone and, and him are very different. I think as I say, Kone's a young player that's developing, but he's got those traits. Same, I'd say very similar to um, you know kind of when we first saw Jao Pedro coming to the team you see the player there even though there's you know there's some rawness to his game you can see his ability to beat men get in the right position I think it's very similar to Kone he's still in that early stage of development that progression but um, he, he's someone that is, is Kone like a box-to-box midfielder or is he a defensive he's, midfielder well, he's box-to-box box, but he's he, he defensively is not his game he's, he's someone you want to get on the ball and carrying the ball forward he's he, he needs to work on a few things. As I said, he's, he's somewhat raw. His I think his part his ball retention for the championship, I think needs to be better. Um, he's not going to generally. He's not threading passes through and, and breaking up defenses. His real threat comes from his carrying, his dribbling. Um, you want him in possession, bringing that ball forward. And like I said, it's you know similar to the role that Tom Delebashiro filled yesterday for the for the first goal. You want someone. You want him on the ball, driving at the defenders and trying to get into the box. Um, that's his. That's the way he has to, to to bridge to bridge that gap between attack and defence, much like we saw with uh, with Decore for a while as well. So um, that sort of that sort of running midfielder is something we've we've not had for a little while now, and it's something we've missed. I think. I think just the way this team is set up, we need someone that can do that. Uh, and you know, we've seen flashes of Kiembe do it, but um, we need someone that can do it more consistently. I think if you have him in the team and you give him the the ability to play in a, in a role that suits him, then he can he can offer you a lot. 
Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. And, and what's um, Tom Delhi's role currently within the, uh, within the team? Well, I think the, the problem is, is, is it's difficult with the lack of options we have to to give them specified roles for their ability. I think it's basically right now just cover all the bases. And I think with Bakuna and him being not ideal for the positions they would normally cover in Bilic's team, it basically just kind of do it, go out there and do it all a little bit. Just do, you know, there's not so much a specific tailored role for the two of them right now because they're not perhaps the archetype of, of player that, that Bilic would want. So we've, we've seen a bit of everything, but I think it's basically just retain the ball you know, be defensively sound, try and progress the ball, don't overcommit uh, and kind of keep your head above water while we can through that midfield. OK, then. Well, um, two changes were made for the Huddersfield fixture that took place yesterday. Bakuna uh, made his debut uh, in place of Chowdhury, who's going to be out for, I think it was five or six weeks, they, they said in the in, in the press. Um, and Ismail Yassar uh, came in for Yasser Espria. Um Finished two 0 It was. It was ultimately. I thought it was a very, a very good game. But against a very poor Huddersfield Town side, who, um, I, I think perhaps we could have won that by more than two. Really, we had the opportunities, didn't we? But um, ultimately, it was a, a, a decent, a decent victory, boys. Yeah, I think just what the doctor probably ordered in the sense of getting off the, getting over the hump of the 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 Hull draw and the Bristol City draw prior to the international break and drawing two blanks in a row we were better than them I think they they kind of started a little bit better than us right but we you know we were clearly the better side by distance in the end um 
and yet again it's you know probably a case of having somebody in Joao Pedro who's clearly better than most of if not all of the players in this division um on his on his day the first goal excellent goal obviously um the the power of that shot to just whack it I think is the only word I can think of only adjective I can think of past Lee Nichols who up to that point had a good game and then you know scores another header obviously scored the header at Wigan a few weeks ago didn't he as well you know he's just coming on leaps and bounds I think and I'm sure we've said this before but the last time we were in the championship it kind of felt like Saar was the main man and Pedro was being eased in and 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 so on and this time you know Pedro is the main man really isn't he he has just climbed a level or or several really um, since we got promoted and you know he's bigger he's stronger he's head and shoulders literally and physically above most players and he's just showing it and I think confidence is clear as well that that's kind of flowing through him in his performances and the way he kind of takes ownership and takes control of games and and just does the things he does Um, we can get away with a lot and cover a lot of cracks I think by having a player like him playing as well as as he is at the moment Um, and you know it's a, a kind of a cheat code almost isn't it to have someone of his ability at this level so yeah long may it continue it allows you to be distinctly average for long periods of the game and still come away with a victory, doesn't it? I think we were we were poor in the first half. Things things got better in the second. Um, but as you said, it was a poor. As you said, Matt, it was a poor poor Huddersfield team. We didn't really go out there and dictate the game that you'd expect us to. You'd you'd hope that a team that are looking for promotion um, would, would be able to do. Obviously, we had our own issues as well. But you know, as, as Tom said, having someone like Joe Pedro, it's you know, it's a difference maker and. I think his his game has has come on massively, and the confidence that he plays with now, you can see uh, in in the way he holds himself, the way he plays, that he he knows he's the best player on the pitch in most of these games, and it it comes through in his his performance. I think the the second goal, the header, which was a great header, um, I think that the kind of whole goal, including the build up, just really shows how multifaceted his game has become. You know, the the, the carrying of the ball, um, beating players to to get the corner. Um, you know, showing real skill and control technique, and then when it actually comes to to the corner being put in, which again, actually, I will say, a little shout out to Ken Semmer, another good corner from Ken Semmer. He seems to have actually improved a little bit there. So well, credit where credit's due, Ken. Uh, and then you know, the other side of his game is that real physical ability to to overpower his defender, get into a position to to be able to make that jump and, and get a really well executed header on goal. And it's it's a player that can that can operate as that that central figure, that striker, but also still have that talent to drop deep and carry the ball, which are two two quite rare things to combine so well. And I think he's um, he's a real talent that's, that's developed and looks to be getting better and better. So it's, yeah, truly, truly impressive. The uh, referee also had a, a poor game, uh, missed certainly one penalty, maybe even two mm. uh, with the handball as well. But um, it, it, yeah, he, he didn't help Watford on, on, on the day, I think. Certainly, it should have been a penalty when the Davis, uh, when one, Davis right? was, yeah. was. Yeah. What did you think on that one? I, yeah, I think it has. I mean, there was there was definitely contact there, and I think especially from the referee's position, it looked like a penalty. Day. I, I'm very surprised it wasn't given, but you know, I think one of the most disappointing things about the championship has been the standard of refereeing, and it's been like that for a few years. Um, it, it, it's it's a talking point every week. It feels like so. It, it's not surprising, but it's still just a disappointing. I'd say. In terms of positives for Watford, um, I felt as though Jeremy Ngakia had another decent performance. He seems to be 
starting to make that role his own now. Um, and we've already mentioned him, but um, you know, T TDB uh, had another good game. Um, and I think if we certainly um, we're enjoying having him available now. Mm. Big season for those two, really, because and and even big moment in this season for Tom Deli Bashiru, who you know would have probably been some way down the pecking order at the start of the season, but the misfortune of Dan Gosling, Tom Cleverley, Imran Luza, Hamza Chowdhury and Edo Kaimbe has has given him an opportunity that he maybe wouldn't otherwise have had. And it's the way it works in, in life, I guess, but in, in football specifically and especially, that you you have to grab these opportunities because, you know, they're they're hard earned and easy lost and he's gonna probably get a good run in the team now. Consecutive starts in the league, which has probably never happened for him at Watford for various reasons um, you know not through any fault of his own but obviously bought as a young player change of managers went out on loan had the injury blah 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 um, you know this is a big big opportunity for him now and at, at 23 and because of how thing, how quickly things move at this football club you, you know he's got to take it or it's probably done for him here and he seems to be making a really a really good decent fist of it Great run, obviously, is I think you mentioned Jordan to set up João Pedro's first goal yesterday. Driving run, great to see someone actually driving from midfield with the ball, well, deeper than midfield really, but you know, driving forward with the ball like that, it feels like something we haven't had for a while. Um, so it's a massive opportunity for him, and, and same for Ngakia, who, you know, there was a lot of kind of excitement. I think maybe slightly stronger word, but when he arrived, you know, it was he'd had a good go in the West Ham team, hadn't he? And it was a prospect and. There was a feeling that we, you know, we got a really exciting young British player at that point, homegrown player at that point. Started the season really well, and then Kiko Feminia came back and kind of took over that role, didn't he? And that, and that was the end of that. Um, this season, blighted by injury for the first however long, finally in the team now. I think we all know his limitations in terms of going forwards, but I do think there's a very solid Championship player there. Um, and clearly, Bilic doesn't fully fancy Gaspar. So again, it's it's kind of his to lose, and he has to really grab this opportunity with both hands. I think, um, and so, so far, so good on on the basis of yesterday, and perhaps less so the whole game. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I I think I think with there's there's obviously room for for improvement there. It's good opportunities for them. I think Ngakia still leaves a little bit to be desired from me. I, I want to see, I want our fullback to offer a little bit more going forwards, and he, he can be a bit rash and. Yeah, I mean, look, he's got the opportunity now. He's probably going to be in the team for a little while. So let's see what he can do over these next few games and uh, and see what Bush can get out of him. But, you know, at least uh, being in a situation we do have injuries, we do have kind of uncertainty at certain positions, at least the guys stepping in uh, gives us the opportunity to look at some younger guys rather than just having to bring in, um, you know, the likes of just players like Bakuna. It, it, at least we get to see an opportunity uh, for the likes of Bashiru and, and Ngakia. When was Bilic at West Ham? Was there a likelihood that he was aware of Ngaki whilst he was there? There must have been some crossover, yeah. I think there was, wasn't there? I'm just wondering if that's uh, if that playing into Ngaki's hands, having someone that... I think what's him. quite evident is that no, none of the coaches fancy Gaspar, which is... Um, like I said, none of the coaches, there's only been two, but still, it's, he's not been... There have been multiple opportunities for Gaspar to play and he's not been there, even to the point where there's been players playing out of position to cover his position. So uh, it's, it's hard to say whether it's more about Ngakia or if it's more about Gaspar or a mixture of the two, but 
yeah, it's, I, I'm not sure in terms, I think that would have been crossover, at least with uh, Ngakia being in there. Yeah, look, just based on when they were there on their Wikipedias, Bilic was 2015 to 2017 and Ngakia was 2014 to 2019. So, yeah, they and Bilic seems like the sort of bloke who wouldn't completely detach himself from the youth team or, you know, whatever level he was at at that point either, doesn't he? So you'd reasonably assume that there would have been yeah, some crossover. It's something else that won't hurt is... Um his chances going forward is of course that uh, Bilic has uh, almost a, a new signing in, in the coaching department with Julian Dix who's come in um, to assist him who himself uh, is a bit of a West Ham legend as well and a former fullback as well so a bit uh, yes. on the other side you know, good good player to, and a long time ago and a very different type of fullback <laughs> all those mitigations aside you know probably not a bad head of gas to... in the pecking order <laughs> probably yeah um, not a bad player, not a bad coach to learn off of, and I think Bilic kind of has been very adamant in that he wanted Julian Dix there, hasn't he? So you, you reasonably assume that he will make a, a a decent impact on the training ground. Yeah, do you think it'll be an important signing, Jordan? Yeah, I mean, look, if 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 I want to, if you got a, a head coach that wants to bring in a certain staff, I think it's always going to. It's always going to be a plus if they can get their man. So, you know, they've got history working together. Then, yeah, if it strengthens the the coaching staff, it's a, it's a positive for the team, for sure. Nice. Um, the last person that we haven't really spoken much about uh, is Mateus Martins. Um, do we expect him to be someone that's going to be coming, you know, in, into, the, into the, the team quite quickly? Or do you think he's certainly one... He's, well, he's, he's one for the future, no matter what, isn't he? But do you think you have any first-team involvement once he's signed? Yeah, I, I mean, I think a lot of this could depend on Saar's situation. If Saar goes, I think he's the he's the replacement most likely. So um, it's really situational, but I think the club are preparing for a, a possibility of him being straight into the team, for sure. Uh, I think he's, again, he's someone that offers traits that you, you'd like, and I think he's he's got the potential to, to contribute early on. Um, one thing I'm not quite sure, and just in case you guys can clear this up for me, I'm not sure it's been confirmed or not, but it's, it's unclear whether the the signing of Martins is to Watford or Udinese. We haven't had any clarification on that since, have we? All the reporting seems to be that they've signed him, right, but being loaned straight to us, but it's not been said by an official source. The Udinese have signed When the club... Yeah, well, the, the, yeah that, as it was Tom saying, the... the it was implied that that was going to be the situation in the build-up to the signing, but then the actual official signing normally would say Watford have signed, you know, there'd be an announcement for Udinese, yeah. then Watford have signed him a year loan or six-month loan, whatever. there's been none of that, it just says Watford have signed, so yeah. unclear. Um, I guess ultimately it doesn't really matter because there's, you know, they're still going to go between the two. Would, would that have been done to get around the work permit issue? Um, well, work permit or financial fair play, whatever they feel. I mean, there's number of reasons they might decide that one club is better than the other. Ultimately, the same with Kamara. They know where they want the player to be and they can kind of register him wherever they seem fit, uh, wherever, wherever they deem fit, sorry. But um, it's hard to say and it's also not very clear as to what the actual situation is. But what we do know is that he's available for the rest of the season at least. Um, and, and I do think he has the potential to be in the team quite quickly. What, what will he add, Jordan? What sort of player is he? Oh, he's just that, you know, flair, carrying of the ball, getting into the box, taking shots on. Just a, a, another exciting wide player that we've seen to, you know, keep attaining from uh, from Brazil. And he, he's someone that's still kind of undefined in the sense that he can 
he can develop more and he can he can find his role a little bit kind of or refine his role somewhat. I think maybe more of a wide player than we've 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 brought in from from Fluminese like Pedro and Richarlison who you know can play wide but ultimately they offer a lot centrally. Um, I think you know you look at Martins as more of a not I don't really like the term out and out winger but he's going to be offering more from that wide position. So you know competition for Saar. Uh, competition on the left for Semba perhaps even uh, but someone that can come in and, and, and just be that extra depth in the wing because we are lacking a little bit there okay good stuff um, in terms of um, talking about depth um, Tom you've got some some views on, on this matter yeah I do um, <laughs> no I put it I put it out on Twitter the other day that I felt the Bakuna signing was just so typical of Watford and such a result of a lack of squad planning and poor recruitment over a period of time that had led us to that point. And my bugbear was that it was entirely avoidable, I suppose. And that even withstanding, or notwithstanding, I should say, the the injuries, which are unfortunate, you can't have you know, no one can have planned for the, the volume of midfield injuries, serious midfield injuries that we've got. But I still felt that midfield was a concern for most people prior to this season. I think when we did our pod in the summer, kind of breaking down the squad and where we thought it was at and so on, we were all fairly... We weren't sold exactly on the midfield options, let's put it that way. And, and the reason I say that is because Tom Cleverley you know, is is quite clearly coming to the end of his career at this level, has had a a history of being, if not injured, then not right, if you know what I mean, not 100% right. There's always, there's been for a while a little sort of mystery thing lingering with him, hasn't there? Dan Gosling for, he's missed missed a lot, that's it, yeah, exactly. It's not like, oh, it's a, it's an ankle break or it's a hamstring tear or something like that. It's just been like, he's not 100%. And and that's obviously been the case this season, and they've still not quite solved it. Uh, Dan Gosling, you know, really until the last few games was just a complete non-option last season. Um, Edo Kembe, complete unknown, really. We saw a bit of him over kind of six, five months, but was anyone blown away by him? No. Um, Tom Delibashiri was coming back off alone and then injury prior to that. Uh, trying to think who that left us with and then Imran Luza who we all put a lot of hope in I think a lot of faith in but was injured and we knew wasn't going to be fit to start the season we then signed Hamza Chowdhury after the season started but you know that's not, when you're playing three in midfield that's not many in numbers and that's a lot of players to have question marks over and, and that was my um, that was the nub of my kind of point I suppose that what has brought us to our knees in midfield is the injuries and bad injuries that you can't plan for um, but it was always likely to become an issue one way or another, I suppose. And someone rightly said to me, I think maybe your con- your point is that it's a, a question of quality rather than quantity. And, and maybe that's a, a better way of surmising it from my initial tweet, which was about numbers. But I do not find myself in any way surprised that we've had to go out and pick up you know, the first available free agent central midfielder that we can get our hands on at short notice uh, albeit the reasons that have brought us here are perhaps uh, not what I'd anticipated yeah it's, it's disappointing that um, that we've gone into this season 
in much the same way as we went into into the previous season, sort of just hoping that things would go our way rather than properly preparing for you know these these problems that take place every year. Every every year, um, each team has to struggle with injuries, and, and we seemingly didn't really yeah. factor that in. That's it. It just feels like a case of I should get by, should be enough, you know, rather than being bullish and saying no. We're going to do the business that will get us. And I appreciate that it's, you know, I do appreciate it's not easy. It's not a case of snapping your fingers and players arrive and snapping your fingers and players that you don't want depart. You know, I think a lot of players probably um, would have kind of, they would would have liked to have done a lot of the deals that they did a lot earlier. You know, it felt like we didn't make many early signings this summer. There were still players lingering, obviously right up until the deadline. We didn't know if Pedro and, so we're going to still be here, and that had a, that would have had a big, you know, bearing on the ability of the club to sign players uh, and and squad plans. So I, I do get that, but and there were areas that were a bigger priority. I think you know we had no strikers left really apart from Pedro, um, so we had to go out and sign strikers, and we had to go out and sign um, a right back because we only had Ngakia. But yeah, just. I don't know, it's all part of the bigger thing that we've discussed, you know, ad nauseum over the, the lifetime of this podcast. It does seem to have been a particularly poor period for recruitment, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, that was that was my point. It just um, it just smacked of a club that hadn't done its kind of planning and preparation and, and due diligence and all those sort of things, um, which is generally how I feel. Well, and also we didn't have to extend the likes of Tom Cleverley too. It's not just about who you sign, who you don't sign, it's who you retain as well. And I think... You know, you have some of the injury record of of Tom Cleverley. You can't rely on him to be, um, to, to be ready readily available throughout the season, really. Uh, and we have other other players that have injury issues too. You know, Imran Loser came off a of surgery into the beginning of the season. Obviously, wasn't available through preseason, so that's always a question mark. Tom David Bashiri's had his injuries clearly, um, so you are you are you are risking it, and you know that's part of the reason that that Chadri came in as well. So. It was a gamble. We we do we do take these gambles and understand there's a necessity to gamble at times, um, but it it can be costly too. So you have to be you know very careful with it. And maybe we've been unlucky at times, but you know we still had issues in other areas of the pitch too. As you say up front, left back, and so on. So squad building is not difficult, not easy, especially with a budget. But um, we we have made some quite clear errors at times as well. I'd say. Given the the issues that we've had this season. Um the poor planning um are, are we doing relatively okay to be fourth in the table currently yeah i mean we are <laughs> i think that speaks for the championship as a whole doesn't it that we're still with what four points off automatic yeah, promotion yeah. at the moment and we've been decidedly average for the entire season like yeah, uh, yeah it just i think speaks to that and the fact that again despite some of its obvious failings we've got a fairly good defence you know we don't ship many goals we've not really taken a beating properly have we apart from uh, the Millwall games the one game where we took a proper thrashing I suppose QPR put three past us but um, yeah it's you know it's just a crazy championship this season isn't it and, and the team above us Blackburn have won 13 lost 10 and drawn none so yeah it's just it's just a bonkers championship probably the World Cup break hasn't helped in that respect cramming so many games you know we're over the halfway point 
Um, or we're at the halfway point now, aren't we, I should say, and it's it's not even Christmas um, by a couple of weeks. So, yeah, we're, do, we're actually doing well, all things considered, and I realise I've been fairly negative at points in this pod, but to be, give them their credit, they're doing what needs to be done. And Well, there's being... I mean, you're being well on table and doing well as a, uh, you know, objectively is still different. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, and and it's it's a bit like a horse race, isn't it? You don't necessarily want to lead from the front. I think you just want to be in that pack behind the leader, and and that's exactly where we are. We won't sustain that if we don't start playing better and more consistently. But um, we've got to this point, so that's I guess that's the challenge now for the second half of the season is to really earn being in this in this position or higher. Yeah. And it's interesting you mentioned Millwall there, Tom, because that is the very next fixture that we have. It's the uh, Boxing Day game, 12 o'clock kickoff at the Vic. Uh, a bit of time for revenge, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's a, uh, it's, it's a game that, again, we, we feel like we really have to... I mean, of course, they're all, they're all not, I mean, not must-wins, but I, I think we have to create some sort of momentum, especially after the whole game. Um yeah, I, I think it's one that we have to go in and try and be positive. I want to see more of a control aspect from the team um, and see a little bit of development there. I think Bilic has been here long enough now. He's had long enough with the team that we could start to see some of those um, some of those traits in the, in the team start to kind of appear and, and look a little bit more confident as a whole rather than just relying on some of that individual quality from the likes of Pedro and so on. Hopefully we get some players back and ho- hopefully we're in a stronger position. But what are we thinking? Are we confident for this one or, or not so much? In a point where I'm totally gonna, which I've totally ripped off from uh, from the rookery end, Millwall aren't in great nick at the moment, are they? They had the weird game before anyone else resumed in the championship against Sunderland. Where they got roundly, um, roundly beaten in, didn't they? Three um, nil, and then they did not do so well yesterday either. Stalls for time, drew with Wigan, so you know they're not in great nick, and they sorry. They didn't play yesterday because they should have played Millwall. And then prior to that, they drew at home to Wigan. So, you know, they're going to have been without a game for two weeks and two without a win off the back of that, or prior to that, I should say. So, yeah, well, I think Millwall at our place versus Millwall at theirs on a Tuesday night when our confidence is fragile. They're two totally different um, tests, aren't they? We also have the uh, the FA Cup coming up around the corner as well, um, as it always uh, tends to come in uh, sort of the start of Jan for the third round. Um, a disappointing tie, Reading uh, Reading away. It's not really an exciting it's one, is Dallas it? Dallas dishwater, isn't it? It's it's a it's a Leandro Bakuna tie, really. <laughs> Can we bring Domingos Quina back for that game? Is that how it works? Yeah. Annual Reading do you, expect, do you expect the FA Cup to be a very low priority this season, um, as, as it is most years? Yeah. If I was yeah. Slaven Bilic, I'd, I'd be registering myself to play centre-half, Julian Dix to play left-back, <laughs> Watford Dave to play centre-forward, Maduka Okoye in goal, you name it, you know, drag everybody out, Uncle Ron on the wing, whatever, just, you know, one of them in there. Just, it's, it's not important, it's not relevant, save them a week. Um <laughs> And the uh, the rest of the Christmas fixtures will be uh, Swansea and and Norwich as well, so um, a couple of tasty ones there. Yeah, I think I think t- two games that we we have to be competitive in. Obviously, Swansea 
Suns were quite good against us last time, but they're struggling a little bit now again. So, yeah, tough test and yeah, a lot to play for. It's going to be relatively interesting the next couple of weeks. And uh, it's weird to think the next game's after Christmas, actually. I didn't even think of that. But yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah, that's right. Uh, have you got um, a good Christmas plans, Jordan? Are you, are you going to be coming back across to the to these shores at any point? Uh, at some point. So not for Christmas, though, I have to say. And in the new year would be when it would be for me coming back I think it's uh, it's a lot of time to travel um, it's not a great time to travel especially here with uh, conditions and that it can be quite difficult or you can get deal with a lot of delays and, and, and so on moving in the winter so I'm going to I'm gonna wait till the new year for sure but I will be at some point definitely what does what a traditional Canadian Christmas look like? Uh, well you start off with the, the, the morning slaughtering of the moose and then um, once that's completed, <laughs> it's pretty similar to us with you, man. It's just, it's yeah, just colder. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it probably it's... looks more wintry, right? I mean, uh, this year might be the exception for, for, for us. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a lot of snow. Yeah, we do have that. If you're looking for a white Christmas, it's the place to be. Nice. Tom, you looking forward to Christmas this year? Oh, mate, I love it. It's my fa- absolute favourite time of the year. It's my favourite, favourite time of the year. I've already had the work Christmas party, the work Christmas lunch. We were due to have a team Christmas party that got postponed and I was due to go to the House of Lords with the National League, but that got postponed as well. Bloody rail strikes. So um, I love it this time of year. Yeah, just uh, see lots of the friends and family, eat a ridiculous amount of food and uh, try and squeeze in as much football as possible. Good stuff, good stuff. Right, well... um... I think that'll about do it for, for, for this afternoon. Um, we've had quite a few discussions about several different topics, but uh, it's it's just lovely to be back talking about Watford again. Absolutely. Pleasure as always, Feels guys. Thoroughly really enjoyed. Yes. Good stuff. Well, um, as always, uh, if you want to give us a review, just uh, head over to the uh, iTunes section and then go down to the bottom of the uh, Watford Buzz podcast and you can give us a rating out of five. So uh, join us on Patreon and contribute a few pennies our way so that we can have a Christmas beer. Um, and you get uh, a bonus train in the end there as well. Fantastic. You get a bonus train in the end as well. Uh, just to remind you that Tom lives next to a train station. Was that me? <laughs> I think it was just you. to remind you that Tom lives oh. above a train track. <laughs> Good stuff. Well, I hope that you all have a very Merry Christmas. Uh, thank you very much for, for following us and uh, supporting us. Hopefully follow Watford towards another promotion season. Yeah. Yeah? You confident, guys? It's going to happen? Uh, no. No, I'm not. No. <laughs> <laughs> but we're there or thereabouts. We're in the so hunt, aren't we? We're in the hunt. That's it, exactly. Good stuff. All right, then. Well, we'll see you next time. Uh, Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas, folks. Have a good one.